Hello and welcome to the latest Forever Blue podcast, the last one of the season actually. Uh, I'm Ian Cheeseman, I really appreciate your support during the, the entire season. Uh, obviously we do a weekly podcast generally speaking. I hope you'll forgive me, I'm going to take a little bit of a break uh, during the summer months. So this will be the last one, we'll probably return uh, the week before the Community Shield game at the end of July. Um, but tonight's podcast is going to be slightly different, but normally... Well, in previous years, we've sort of done it in a studio or we've done it at some location. We've all met up. Then along came COVID, so we went to Zoom and we've been doing it on Zoom ever since, which has actually been really nice because we've been able to get ex-players on who live quite a long way away sometimes. I've even had Uwe Rosler on when he's been sat in Spain uh, talking to us. So we've been able to do things that we didn't do before. But of course, we still have a regular Forever Blue team, squad, if you want to call it. And I'm trying to get two or three of those on this final podcast to to look back on the season. Now I'm going to start uh, the podcast here in in a garage. In uh, When I say a garage I don't mean somebody's actual garage, I mean a professional garage uh, which is where Paul Prestige Car Repairs works in Chatterton and if you're one of his customers you'll know exactly where it is. If you're not then it doesn't really matter, but we're in his garage. Um, so just before I speak to Paul, who's the first of tonight's guests, I just want to give a big shout-out for Howard Solicitors because they've took over sponsorship of the podcast and they've committed to next season as well, which means that the audio podcast, the one you're listening to at the moment, will return again next season, To for which I'm, I'm hugely indebted to them. They have offices throughout Greater Manchester and Cheshire and they specialise in areas of law that affect the individual. So it's like that if you need some help or guidance, that they'll have someone who can help you. They can be called on 0161 872 9999 or you can email law at howardssolicitors.com or look at their website. And it might even be that if you're further afield, you can still have a look on their website or... Uh, email them and they might still be able to give you some advice so please support them they're supporting me and once again a big shout out to David Johnson one of the directors and the company howardsolicitors.com for their support so Paul um, I'm going to go down to the parade later on I'm going to get try and get some of the atmosphere of the the parade to celebrate everything that happened as we're sitting here now happened yesterday but you were there I saw you at the game I've traveled with you all over Europe um, I know how passionate you are about City. So just before we talk about any anything else, I just want to, uh, you to encapsulate the emotions that you felt yesterday and, and, and how it was for you. Um, thanks for coming down here, by the way. It's, it was a bit of a surprise as you're just turning up now. Um, <laughs> so it's caught me a bit unawares. Um, yesterday was like... It was like reliving the 93-20 all over again. It was the same emotions going through my head. I'd been to the 93-20 do the week before, so it all come back to me. And I was reliving it then. And then when that happened yesterday, it was like one goal went in, wasn't too bothered, to be honest, because I know we can come back from that. But we weren't playing well, so that was a bit of a worry for me. Second goal went in after half time, that was it. It was like, oh, we're done. We're done. And the same emotions. You really felt that? Yeah, I thought we're done. I thought it was done. I felt exactly the same when we was in Madrid and the, the, in, the, in the Champions League with, uh, um, against Madrid. The second goal went in, I just completely deflated. And that's how I felt. I was sat there deflated. Um, it then it made some changes. And the changes he made, I actually said to the people around me, that's what he should do. I said, he's got to bring Jinzenko in at half-time because, you know, no disrespect to him, Rodri was overrun. He was being overrun. The roof. You mean Fernandinho? Sorry, you? Fern- You're Fernandinho. You're still affected oh, by yeah, the celebrations, still, yeah, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry, yeah, Fernandinho. He was, he was overrun and it's, you know, it's not his fault. They were just doofing balls over and um, cutting out the midfield. So, the first goal went in and... I was celebrating like I normally do, but it was kind of a bit muted because I still knew we had something to do. It's funny you should say that and keep your, yeah. your thread going, yeah, but yeah. I've just did a piece on, on radio to America who asked me about the crowd reaction in the game and I said when the first one went in, it actually felt, to me anyway, where I was sitting, a bit like the Aguero moment. The crowd really reacted yeah, yeah. and yeah. it was as if everybody believed as soon as that first one went in, things would overturn, yeah, yeah. but you didn't think no, that. No, 
I just thought, with what's gone on recently, I just thought, oh, here we go, this is going to be... And my mate's, mate Andy's got his his phone with the earpiece in, like the good old days with the tranny radio, <laughs> but a modern version with an iPhone instead. Um, and he, he was coming through and he's putting the scores across to us and it was it was it was great it was it was fantastic but by the time i finished celebrating the first goal muted by my sort of standard the second goal went in literally a minute later or two minutes later so that then started me thinking we're here we're doing this this is going to happen so you went a bit berserk yeah and i couldn't <laughs> but then i couldn't work out where we were as in did we need to win? Did we get a draw? What were Liverpool doing? So I was still a bit muted and people were still a little bit round us, you know, what's what's happening and didn't have to worry because I knew if we won today, yesterday, we'd won it. Third goal went in. Well, that was it. it just the play. I've never seen the place go like that. It was I don't even remember it being like that for the Aguero goal, to be honest. Um not that I remember much of the Aguero goal if I'm being Perfectly honest, but oh, it was. It, I went through everything yesterday, and at the end of the end of the game, I felt exactly like I did at Aguero. I was mute. I was just numb. Um, we were celebrating. We did all the jumping around, but then afterwards, everybody just went numb. There was no, you know, we we were just looking at each other and sort of like you know shaking heads as though we couldn't believe it, and it, it was really. It was a really weird atmosphere, but it was just like the Aguero goal. Um, I've followed City all my life. I'm 53. I've followed them all my life. And, you know, City to do this every 10 years, I'm dreading it when it's my 60th birthday because, the 63rd birthday, because my birthday is, re- you know, my birthday's in May, really close to these games. You know, it was the 12th, 12th of May. If you want to send me a birthday card next year. Um but yeah, it's 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 been a roller coaster to be honest, and I'm absolutely wiped out today. I'd had a few beers, but it's not that. I'm just my adrenaline's completely took over my body, and I'm still numb by it. I'm still. I didn't get to sleep last night. I think I might have sent you a message or something last night, and it's about half past one or something like that. I was going through <laughs> messages, and I was sat up in bed because I couldn't I couldn't sleep. I was just me. My adrenaline was just took over my body, and I wasn't tired. I was just drained, and I was. I didn't want to speak to anyone. I've got neighbours, Not normally I run round the neighbours' house, United fans, and I'd be, be sticking flags up at their house and stuff and ringing up some Scouse mates have got. I just got in last night and I was absolutely shattered. It was, it was amazing. Let me ask you this question. I think I already know the answer to it. You and I and our mates, Barry and John, travel all over Europe together, keeping the cost down, sometimes the long way, sometimes via outer Mongolia, it seems, when we fly somewhere. <laughs> And we love it. We absolutely yeah. love it. We love each other's company and we love the journeys. However, this is where I think I know what the answer is already. If City have gone on to Paris and had beaten Liverpool in the final, do you think that would have been better than what you saw at the Etihad? Or is that better? Um, no, you ain't beating that. You can't. Unless we won the final in similar circumstances. It's the, it's the whole sort of... 38 games whatever the league is it's is the whole is the whole thing to be able to to be able to win something like that when we said it couldn't be repeated and it can't be repeated exactly but how close was that to the aguero moment um you know and people were saying about you know I think we might talk about it later people were saying about you know like um, it's disgusting going on the pitch and everything you can't say that until you've actually been in a situation where, because that's just pure adrenaline. You know, there are some people that are like, oh, we're going on the pitch, it's end of season, blah, blah, blah. I, I've been on the pitch a couple of times at the Etihad and it's been pure emotion and I haven't a clue how I got on the pitch, um, how I got off the pitch. I don't remember it. I'm, I'm being perfectly honest. I don't remember it because adrenaline takes over and you just go and do something. But to, to go through 38 games with the ups and downs we've had and then to win it like that on the last day when we, I thought, you know, I thought we'd blown it. It's just unbelievable. You know as well as I know, because you follow the news, that today's news agenda is all about these pitch invasions. The Nottingham Forest one, the Everton one, yeah. and now the City one. Um, 
there's no point in us going to the detail of what happened, any of these three, because we weren't there. We might have seen some footage, but it's a bit inconclusive to me. But there are calls for points deductions from some people for not controlling fans. There are calls for fences to be put up again, as happened, of course, and possibly contributed to, to some of the disasters when people have been trapped behind fences. I personally don't want to see points deductions or fences. However... Whilst I appreciate, I didn't run on the pitch, but whilst I appreciate what you're telling me about why you've done it in the past, it is an issue and it is becoming an issue. Is that a concern? Genuinely, is that a concern for you? It's a concern for me because it's going it, it, to... It's, it's not... The concern is is that genuine fans' emotions are being suppressed by VAR and... Being being odd, I know we shouldn't go on the pitch. I know it's an illegal, it's an offence to go on the pitch. I get that. You saw, of course, the crossbar being destroyed by I, some I, fans yesterday. I mean, that's just that's society in general. That's just like basically just wanton destruction. Um, you know, whether they're trying to emulate something in the was it Scotland England game or something? Were they were they emulating that? I've been watching YouTube or something. I don't know. I don't know what that was all about. I mean, that I, I can only condone that. That's it's embarrassing and a bit pathetic to be honest. Running on the pitch, I ain't got an issue with that. The last game of the season, especially when you win it like that, you know, it, it's one thing if you say you won the league three games earlier and you you knew you'd won it. And it, you know, it was the last game, and, and and to go on the pitch. Then I think that's that's different. That's premeditated. You know, you've you've no reason to go on the pitch at that point. But when something like that happened, and the Aguero's happened, you know, we've won we've won our leagues on the last game of the season. The last time was at Brighton away, um, but we we've you know we've done it, and and we've done it. And we've gone on the pitch for that reason. Um, I, I, I can't really go into the, the, the what's and wherefores of whether the keeper was attacked or not. I've seen it a few times; it's unclear. The fact that ever, the, the fact that Aston Villa aren't pursuing it, if you like, seems to me that the keeper's sort of like you know it's not as bad as first appeared. So you know, fair play to Aston Villa for that. But um, no, you, you, your emotions—you can't. You, you can't. You can't take points deductions because it's simple. All, all, all the opposition fans are turn up at your ground every week and run on the pitch, get your another three points deducted. So you, you can't do that. That's that's a no-brainer. You can't put... You, well, you could put meshing up um, and have it collapsible so that, you know, if there's an emergency, it can drop. But, hey, we're not animals. We're not caged animals. There's, Some people have even suggested playing behind closed doors a punishment. Well... <laughs> Again, you just get the opposition fans because there are idiots out there. Right, there was probably, what was the 55,000 there yesterday? I'd say potentially 30,000 on the pitch. Out of that 30,000, there was probably four people involved in the crossbar incident and three people involved in the, uh, uh, the alleged attack on the goalkeeper. So that's probably seven. Let's call it ten people. Let's round it up to ten. That's ten people out of 30,000 that have ru- could ruin it for everybody else. I'm sick of pampering to the, the, the minorities on stuff. You know, ten, th- ten people should not be able to ruin it for 30,000. You know, come hard, down on the... Because I, I know loads who went on the pitch yesterday. I've seen loads of pictures. And it was friendly, it was happy, everyone were buzzing. Apart from two isolated incidents and you're gonna you know we've i've listened to it on the raid talk sport coming to work this morning there was no talk about what a fantastic event happened yesterday the, the game wasn't brilliant it wasn't a classic but what happened was amazing what a fantastic advert for the premier league worldwide amazing but all they've talked about is how disgusting it was and the fans should be ashamed of themselves and blah 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 why are we giving them all this time to talk about? Let's talk about it. It's discussed. We can all go on social media. You don't need to spend two hours talking about it. That's giving them time and that's giving them a chance to say, oh, next year we'll get two hours talked about. And that's how these idiots work. So you can't ruin it for all of us, just ten idiots. Well, you know what? That's that's the first section of this podcast done in, in Paul's garage. And I'm going to talk to fans down at the parade. And because you've handled that so eloquently and I think represented it quite honestly and fairly, 
I'm not going to talk about it again. We're going to talk about the celebration, about the players, about the fans, about the great, great occasion that, first of all, is about to happen and the one that's already happened. So, Paul... Sorry to tear it tear you away from your work. I know you wish you were probably down at the parade. So do. But but thanks very much and I'll speak to you again next season and happy travels to come, eh? You're welcome, mate. It's been a brilliant season and uh, best of luck down there and come on City. So from a garage in Chatterton to City Centre Manchester and uh, you might be able to hear one or two of the Vuvu sailors, I think they call them, in the background. I'm actually on Market Street at the moment. I'll, I'll be moving around another stage for the parade today. It's going to be down near the Beetham Tower, which used to be the biggest building in Manchester, but I don't think it is anymore. But anyway, it's going to be down there. I've seen quite a lot of City fans on the tram as I've come in. We're not too far away now from a guy who's selling scarves and, and obviously those Vuvu sailors and flags and uh, it's starting to look like a, a city scenario. Uh, with me is one of the regular contributors now to the podcast and also somebody who I, I've been doing some stuff with on Side Radio, big city fan, Toby. So I know you're at the game and I know you've been at a lot of the, in fact, pretty much all the games this season. How are you feeling right now? Oh, fantastic. There's... Uh, uh, there's... It's just no words to describe it. I mean, the only thing that really tops the way we did it yesterday is the Aguero moment. Ten years, it's just so fitting that it's ten years since that moment. And we've done something, oh, I say similar, but it's, you know, it's, it's very, very light. You know, the way we came back, another 3-2. I don't know what it is about us in dramatic last days, but uh, we, like do, we like doing something like that, don't we? A couple of weeks ago, you're, you were very lucky because your parents uh, treated you to a chance to meet Sergio Aguero at great cost. I'm just wondering, 10 years from now, whether they'll be treating you to uh, yeah. a moment with uh, Ilkay Gundogan yeah. or who the hero was from, from that game. Hopefully I'll be treating myself at that <laughs> stage in my life and my career. I will say, I mean, I, I mean, I think, the, the, I mean, for many, many reasons, the Aguero moment was so much more special. But Gundogan's in, uh, p- performance and contribution was inspired yesterday. And, and you, have to, you have to give credit to him. You have to give credit to Pep um, for the contribu- for, for, for the substitutions and all the substitutions. Because when Alex, Alexander came on and, and he, he was absolutely brilliant, um, as well as who, who else came on, was uh, Gundogan and um, Raheem as well, who set up the first goal for, for Gundogan to head it in. So all of them, brilliant substitutions. And just that second half was so, so much better than the first. The first, we looked down and out. We looked like it. We could, we could that, that was it, that we were, we, we'd blown it. But what, just an amazing, last 15 minutes, not even second half, last 15 minutes. I was very lucky after the game. I hung around for a little while and I got to meet Ilkay Gundogan and Oleg Zinchenko. And those are two players that have a particular resonance for me because Ilkay was born in Gelsenkirchen where my mum was born and Alexander is Ukrainian and my wife's father was Ukrainian and she has family over there and he I, did, I told both of them my stories and, and Alexander gave me a big hug when I told him my connection and that personalised it for me I, I guess you didn't have that personalisation yourself but did you go on the pitch? I mean, how, how, what I, happened to you at the I end? I sit in the second tier, which is a real shame. Um, so you would have gone on the pitch? I would have, I would have gone on the pitch. Um, have, so have you um, got a view then on, on what everything that's been said at the moment about... I, I didn't really want to talk about this because I've already been talking to Paul about it, but I'll just ask you briefly yeah, about yeah. your views on that. I think what happened to, to Weston Villa's goalkeeper, Olsen, was absolutely unacceptable. I think that taints everything. I think pitch invasions... Although they're not 100% right, and although you know there has to be control, I think you want the fans to be as close as possible to the game. And you know, if you're doing it every week, then it's not right. But you know, when when you win something like that in a moment like that, I think it's just what the fans want to do in that moment. But when when things when things like what happened to Olsen happen, it's just wrong. And then the goalpost as well, you know, it's just totally unnecessary. Um, but I don't think I don't think there should be necessarily fans stopping stopping fans going on the pitch but then obviously there is there is limits but the whole thing that happened with Ulster is just totally unacceptable this today is almost like a legalised and authorised fans on the pitch moment isn't it because the bus will come down Market Street it's going to head ultimately towards Beetham Tower Uh, I know the, the players will be protected because they're on the bus but nevertheless they'll be very close they'll just be a couple of yards away I know I've, I've been I've been on the bus in the past yeah and I've and I've seen people hanging off lampposts and doing all sorts of stuff but what's your 
what's your plan? I mean, are you, uh, do you, are you going to watch the whole stage thing? Or Well, I'll, I'll, to be honest, I'll, I'll try and get a good view of the bus wherever I can. I know there's going to be, I mean, I'm already seeing so many City fans walk past us now, so I know it's going to be absolutely packed. Um, but I'll try and get a good view of the bus and then, um, and then, and then head towards the stage and then just, just go from there, really, see, how, see, see the entertainment and then, uh, and then probably come back. What do you want to see? I just want to get as close close to the players as possible, get a good atmosphere, um, just breathe it all in because, you know, as fans, uh, everyone deserves to as fans. You know, as, as you said, I've, I've been to pretty much all the games this season, minus two or three in, in the Premier League. And, you know, so, so to enjoy the moment after doing all that, enjoy the enjoy seeing the trophy, enjoy seeing the players and enjoying that moment and the atmosphere is, is going to be fantastic. Looking back now on the season, I know it's fairly fresh because the season's only just finished. Have you got a player of the year? Ah, it's got to be. It's got to be Kevin De Bruyne, isn't it? I mean, it is uh, the the amount of games that that man pulls us through, and and you know you could look at separate performances all, all, all to themselves. I mean, you, you know you look at the Wolves' performance. I mean, he he he, pull, he pulled us through that game, and he was absolutely exceptional. You, could, you look at the lights of Real Madrid in the Champions League as well, at the, the, the home leg. I mean, he was brilliant. I mean, there's so many games I could list them forever. How many games he was so good, but then there's players like like Bernardo who's brilliant, Cancelo, uh, just so many players all season have been brilliant. But the stand-up player for me has been De Bruyne, absolutely fantastic. He's he's the best midfielder in the world in my opinion. My cop-out answer to this question, if oh. anybody's worrying, <laughs> is Pep Guardiola's my player of the year because yeah. <laughs> because I know he's not a player, but I think the way he sets up this team, the belief that he has in mm. them, uh, the, the beautiful football that we watch, and I would have said this even if City hadn't got the third goal yeah. and had lost the title race. To me, watching his football for my team in my stadium has been a dream come true. So he's got to be my player of the year. Oh, that's a, that cop on it. And you've got, you got to give us a player, a player of the year. And it's a manager of the year. We've only got one of those. You can only pick that's one. That's why I picked it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it's, I, I, I know what you mean. He's just, I mean, as I say, the, the, it just shows that with the changes yesterday, as I said before, absolutely inspired. I mean, you know, you bring on three players and all three of those players were absolutely influential to, to our win yesterday. Um, and they just created so much. And, and even if he doesn't win the Champions League ever, he's still probably, the, in my opinion, the greatest manager that the club's ever had. I can't believe how many trams are going round here and uh, peeping the horns at maximum as they, they call this. I actually did a tram ride once with a tram driver. It was privileged to sit in the cab. And they call this junction where we're stood Lepping's Corner because everybody runs out in front of the tram at this point. I bet you weren't aware of that, were you? I wasn't aware of that, no. I mean, I know what you mean. It is a little bit... Uh, I've driven along here before, along the road, and it is, it is quite similar where everyone just sort of runs past um, and you are a little bit sort of playing on, playing on, on an instinct a little bit, but yeah. Just the final question then before I move on to moving and talking to other people down here. Mm. Was there a moment in that game, the final game, when you actually didn't think that this was going to all happen? Yeah, 2-0. 1-0, you sit there and you go, you know, and we came out in the second half and we were a little bit better. Alexander was playing so well and it looked like we might get something and we were creating chances, we were looking a lot more positive and then Coutinho went down the other end and, and you know, the story that everyone's been talking about for the last however long, you know, Steven Gerrard and, and, and then Felipe Coutinho scoring and you're like... Oh, my, oh, this could actually now happen. Liverpool going because you know Liverpool were one-one at the time. You know Liverpool are going to go and win. You, you, you know what they're like, and you, you just sit there and you're like, this is actually the the, 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 the fairy tale as such has, has come true. We're going to lose this. I sat home with my granddad and shat myself. Thought it was done, and I tell you what, it was like deja vu. Three-two. We we took it straight to the end and. Woof. What's your my, name, by the way? My name's Jack. Jack, thanks very much for that no little ad-lib guys. contribution, Jack. I'll be going to the parade, no, don't you worry. It's all you were right in the city centre and uh, <laughs> I was just a random city fan walking past. So you've said that you, you almost gave up. So just, again, to cap your little contribution to this, and thank you, yeah. <laughs> uh, how are you feeling right now? Awesome, brilliant. You know, we had heartbreak in Madrid and it almost looked like we were going to have heartbreak again, but that was just brilliant, amazing, fantastic, and now we're going to go and enjoy it. I can promise you, by the way, those tram noises are not sound effects. There are trams coming one after the other, and they're all doing... Every time maybe, I look round, there's a tramway every every few yards. I was about to say, maybe maybe you can uh, maybe you can time it and see how long it's in between, just to see you know just to see how perfectly placed they are. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Toby. No worries. Thank you.
So next up um, is another one of our Forever Blue podcast squad, Louisa, who uh, just recently has been swanning off doing stuff to do with F1 and F2. You know, she's a real lovey when it comes to stuff like that. Actually, by the way, the Formula One has been brilliant at the start of this season, so I really enjoyed it. And you're getting quite a name for yourself now, aren't you? So um, anyway, we're going to talk about football now. You're a City fan. And I know also that you've been... Whenever you've come on the podcast, there's one player that you've been singing the praises of. And it turns out that he is one of the central figures that was involved in City winning the league in such dramatic fashion. And, of course, there is a lot of emotion around him at the moment, uh, particularly the way he celebrated after the game. I've not said his name yet, but you're going to say his name now, aren't you, Louisa? Might it be Zinni? Yeah, <laughs> yeah Zinchenko. Um, I, you know, since the moment he came on the pitch in the most unusual position as a defender when we were so very, very desperate for a defence, you know, two, three seasons ago, I just saw some magic in him because how many players can adapt that well to actually defend and stop goals and stop the the forwards and the strikers of so many d- domineering teams so this this guy is magical this guy i noticed played his heart out for our club all those years ago he was a city player through and through and that means he's family um and he's proved it he, he proved it in the match in, in all the matches that we've had and he proved it in that match the other day and you know i, I don't want to necessarily play on the fact that he's Ukrainian and they're going through such horrific horrendous times right now and he is suffering so badly being he's suffering being torn between family and friends that are there that that he I mean he's not left behind you know he's been in this country for a few years but he we have a strange man now walking through the centre of Manchester uh, yowling like uh, Tarzan, I think, but uh, just ignore him. It's, it's what, you, way, it's what you see in city centre Manchester. By the way, he's not a City fan, nor is he a Liverpool or United fan, he's just a weirdo. Right, <laughs> now we've cleared that up. He's a Manchester person. Yeah, but I mean, you know, what what a wonderful, beautiful celebration. I mean, obviously, we, we saw a few matches ago when, when himself and one of the Ukrainian players for the opposite side were incredibly emotional, you know, once, once all of that started. Um, but we have to remember that, that Zinchenko is primarily a Manchester City player and he's seen this club as his home team for his career and he will play his heart out. He said on that pitch after that match that he would die for this club and he would die for these people and and I genuinely, genuinely believe that. You can see it in every single game he plays and every single second and every single bead of sweat that he puts into these matches and he puts onto the pitch and um, I'm so very proud that we have somebody like him playing for our team. I'm going to make you really jealous now, Louisa, because after the game yesterday, I hung around for a little while, and uh, when Olix came over near to me, I told him my story of my family connection, and, uh, and he got very emotional, actually, and gave me a really big hug, uh, which meant the world to me, actually, as much as him, because of my family's connection to Ukraine. And so you can imagine the pride I felt to watch him come on and make such a difference. It must be such a tough time for him, but, you know, it's, it's a football family and here we are, we're in city centre Manchester. We've moved a little bit up from where I was before talking to Toby. We've still got trams whizzing past us. We've got more and more fans arriving here. Um, what does this mean to you, this, this parade? I mean, it's starting to get routine for me now. I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't deny. <laughs> uh, the parade's just absolutely amazing. I mean, it's... Uh, definitely not expected every year I think as a, a City fan for the past sort of three four decades it's still a surprise it's still a nice and amazing surprise and I, I think I need to start shaking off this old City mentality because we are an absolute force to be reckoned with we are one of the top teams in the world not just because we're, we're a great football team but because we are we have just won this Premier League and the Premier League is not even arguable 
it is the best league in the entire world because every single match that we play is a battle no matter which team even if it's one of the bottom three at that particular moment in time it is a very difficult tricky game it's never an easy game no matter who you're playing every single game is a battle on that pitch and we have lost some because people have outplayed us we have lost some because we've been stupid ourselves and got things wrong but we have also won them and we've won them when it's counted and we won them obviously on the most important day that it counted and I don't know about anybody else um, but my personal feelings from that final game was that I felt like I was reliving 2012 all over again I felt like we, we were 2-0 down, we, we were down, we were losing and the opposition were, were winning, they were going to win the league. This, this was 10 years ago, it was an absolute nightmare. And like I doubted 10 years ago that we would do it, I doubted we would win in 2012, I doubted it again. But why, why did I doubt it? <laughs> because we have the players. We didn't just have Sydney on that pitch, obviously. We had Gundogan, one of my next favourite players, and of course KDB, Kevin De Bronya. Why did I doubt it? I shouldn't have doubted it. Those goals came when we needed it the most. And I kind of felt Gundogan celebrating was Aguero. It was that Aguero, you know, in, in that 93rd minute. It was the same celebration. I felt like I was reliving it all over again 10 years later. Thank you, thank you. Um, and what a celebration. I, I literally, I don't really have much of a voice today because I screamed and I'm, I screamed multiple times in my house. I wasn't at the game, sadly. And I, I kind of think my neighbours thought I was being murdered or something. But I was literally screaming and screaming and screaming probably more than I did 10 years ago I don't know it just felt so much more important yesterday so I don't know about everybody else but wow what a game what a match how can these players put us on the edge of our seats the way they did yeah thanks so much for that but thanks for winning and thank you to the team and thank you to Pep what an amazing season final question then for this podcast and hopefully we'll we'll get you back next season again if you don't get swept away by the success you're having with F1 and F2 but I was just on South African radio a few moments ago and the presenter said to me, will Gundogan get a statue like Aguero? What do you think? Um, I'm not quite sure he'll kind of get one just yet. Um, but, you know, myself and Harlan said this two, three years ago, probably 2019, that he was future boy. He was playing a particular style of game that nobody had ever seen on this planet before. He was on a different planet entirely. And I don't necessarily think Pepper's built a team around him and his style of play, but Pepper's definitely built a team into more of a futuristic kind of nobody knows what we're going to do next. And really that was, that's what Gundogan was doing. Um, he was going to, he was a player that you didn't necessarily know what he he was going to do next in a good way not in a bad way so i can i can absolutely see 100 percent that by the time um Gundogan retires and leaves our club he is absolutely worthy of a statue um and you know and, and i know this isn't pub massive public knowledge but the guy privately the guy personally he actually goes around um, our city, our home, and he goes to people that are in need and people that want a bit of light and a bit of love in their lives. And he, he, he just, for some reason, I don't know him, I've never met him, but he feels like he has some kind of personal connection to the people of Manchester. And he goes around and he does things very privately that are not in public, that are not recorded on social media. And for that... He deserves a statue anyway. He deserves a statue in Piccadilly Gardens right here by the side of us for what he does for our city as a human being, let alone as a player for our wonderful, amazing club. Well, thanks for your contributions. I agree, by the way, with every word you just said. Thanks for your contributions to the podcast. Enjoy the parade. I'm now going to try and find Harlan. I think he's in the thick of where everybody is, so it'll get quite noisy in there, but... Um, Thank you, Louise. Have a great summer. Absolutely. You have a great summer and everybody else does too. Um, yeah, you know what? It's great to be a Blue Ian. <laughs> and so finally to the last guest on the last podcast of the season, right in the thick of where the players are going to be arriving at the stage. 
the bottom of Beetham Tower. People are packed in shoulder to shoulder here, including the one and only Harlan. Harlan, what did you make of yesterday to begin with? Uh, Ian, I'm not going to lie. I mean, 10 years ago, I, I remember sitting in that ground at 2-1 down. In fact, I remember sitting in the ground at 1-0. Then it went 1-0 and then Mackie scored the second. And, and I, I was I'm always been the eternal optimist, so I, I still believe we could do it then because it was about to be our first, so I, I had nothing else to lose other than give it full whole hog optimism. And when it went 2-0 yesterday, everybody on this podcast and everybody that listens to this podcast knows that I am the most optimistic fan of all fans. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But at 2-0, I, I thought it was done. I thought it was finished. Um, I didn't think that them players could pull the same amount of desire and determination out that the squad of 2011-2012 did and had Pep have not made the changes he made I don't think the 11 that were on the pitch would have got us out of the trouble that we got ourselves in his changes Inchenko, Gundogan and Sterling were absolutely key and that for me is why Pep Guardiola is as much to thank as Ilkay is for yesterday's performance in that six seven minute period I can't believe that you being the optimist and me I'd like to think being the realist had different views because even when City were 2-0 down I thought this fella Kevin De Bruyne that they're all singing about now would drag City back and it would still all end with the right result you really believed it wouldn't happen did you at one point I did I did Ian because like I said I mean I'd not seen enough in the first 70 minutes to, to show me that we were we were going to be able to get through the pressure that was coming our way and I don't mean pressure from Villa because they were sat in for a good good 50, 60 minutes of that one. And we got the first goal, they sat in and they created a real, real brick wall for us to have to break down. The second one went in completely against the runner play again. It was Hull Hug City against the real Villa back line and a brick wall Villa. Gerard was getting excited. You could see he was getting more and more excited with what his side were doing to stop us from scoring. And it was at that point I thought the time wasting's going to start. Uh, Olsen was going down. He was asking for more water from the physio. Um, you know the, 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 the houser he started from the Villa players and we were 2-0 down and at that point I thought that day we only needed two goals today we need three and this game is getting worse in terms of having to break down a brick wall in Villa so yeah I'm not going to lie if we did it we did it but at that point I didn't believe we could and that was because of a lot of different things when he brought Zinchenko and Ilkay on I thought Pep's made the changes for a response whether that response comes is a completely different matter. And when the first one went in, I started to believe that Villa would start to quake a bit and that their game plan would be, we have to just do everything and anything to stop City now. And then the second one went in, and then I believe the third one would go in because Villa then realised that they were really going to come under the cosh. And the, the, the changes that Pep had made were all involved. They, every single one of them was involved in the goal. Um, Zinchenko for Rodri's. Rodri turned into a completely different player because Gundogan had come on and taken some responsibility away from him which allowed Rodri to do what he does best and just reorganise and protect the back line and get the ball into a person like Gundogan or De Bruyne and Gundogan took on the role of bringing the ball forward, carrying the ball arriving in them positions that Pep talks about and then obviously Zinchenko was was, you know, brilliant for Rodri's goal um, Sterling was brilliant for Gundogan's first goal and then De Bruyne was brilliant in that freer role for Ilkay's winner. It was just phenomenal in the end. And it was a brilliant, brilliant comeback. And it's one that I'm really, really thankful for. But I have to admit, I didn't think it could happen at 2-0. So how does this compare to 93-20, to the Centurion season, to the, the, the 98-97 Liverpool battle that went all the way to the wire? Is this as good as, better? How do you compare it? I think nothing will ever be the 93-20 Aguero moment Ian and the fact that we were 2-0 or 2-1 even down um, I'm thinking about yesterday again look uh, 2-1 down against QPR um, I think the timings were very similar I think if I, if, I, if I remember rightly I think Coutinho scored not far before or not far after Jamie Mackey had scored in the QPR game around 60-65 minutes but we had to score three yesterday and not two but I, I, I got it a bit wrong in the ground because I thought that Liverpool had scored their second when we scored our second, which meant that we... Oh, no, sorry, when we'd scored our first, which meant that we would have still needed two goals to win it. And that's not how it happened. We actually scored our third before Liverpool had scored their second, I think. Um, but in the ground, I was thinking 
even two holes not good enough because Liverpool are going to score any minute and they did score any minute I never expected Wolves to stop Liverpool and I never expected Liverpool to not be able to beat Wolves so I still believe we needed to win the game um, it doesn't compare to 93-20 in that way because that was just so 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 special and it was our first title but to see this squad of players and to see Pep make the changes he made and to see a character that I didn't even personally think was in these players not that I didn't believe these players were dedicated or characterful or, or determined, but at 2-0 down to Aston Villa, I didn't know whether we had the same characters that we had, like the De Jongs, the Jekylls, the Agueros, the Yaya Torres, the Lescots, the companies in this squad yesterday. And like I said, if he would have kept the same 11 on and made just one change, I don't think the 11 players on the pitch would have had enough to overcome Villa. It was the key changes, the tactical adaptations that Pep made in that game combined with the innate ability and wonderful skill of our players that got us out of a real, real pickle. And it stands alone for me. Why have one moment when you can have two? Why have 93-20 compared with yesterday when you can have 93-20 and whatever we're going to nickname that yesterday? What are we going to call it? 2-0 down and 3-2 up? I don't know what we're going to call it. Are we going to name it the time of Ilkay's third goal? Only time will tell. But what a day it was, Ian. And like I said, why have one moment when you can have two? Brilliant, brilliant day. I've got to admit, like I said, I didn't think it was going to happen at 2-0. Not ashamed to admit that, but thank God it did. You and I have been championing Ilkay Gundogan for a long time. Yeah. Um, I was on South African radio a little earlier on and somebody suggested maybe he gets a, a statue now. Do you think the mood of the City fans is going to change sufficiently? I'm not saying he's going to get a statue, but you think now that he's turned that corner, because Pep gave him a lot of praise after the game, didn't he? He did, and do you know what? I mean, if you look back to Brighton, I think we'd... Aguero would equalised after Maria opened the scoring. I think Mares scored the third, didn't he? And Ilkay scored the fourth. Now at 3-1 against Brighton, it was still quite precarious. Ilkay scored the goal to actually kill that game away at Brighton in 2019. He scored some very big goals in the last couple of seasons. He was absolutely unbelievable in 1890 when we lost Kevin De Bruyne for such a long period of time and practically carried us. Last season was his best goal-scoring season in the City shirt. And had he not have done what he did last season, I don't think we'd have won the title in the manner that we did either. And I remember company saying that Yaya Torre was involved in many big moments. Semi-final, FA Cup, United, Yaya Torre. I remember him doing the speech after Yaya's last game. Um, final day of the... Um, sorry, not final day. Uh, final of the FA Cup, Yaya Torre against Stoke. Newcastle, which is a massive, massive, massive moment for me in the title-winning season of 2011-2012. If we'd have drawn with Newcastle, we wouldn't have won the title. So Yaya popped up with two really, 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 really big goals. And... Ilkay Gundogan has been there in so many amazing moments and he is a player that was for many years the scapegoat of many poor City performances and it was only when he started to put the numbers on top of what he was doing performance-wise that City fans on the whole started to really take notice of him but when you look at what he actually does on the pitch to allow us to score goals his build-up play his responsibility that he knows he's got before matches but takes on during a game the leadership he shows the, the, the innate ability to arrive at the right place at the right time like Pep says Pep said, yeah. which is what Pep said the ability that he's got to calm things down on a football pitch and not force a ball forward when it doesn't need to go forward but play the right pass at the right time and also allow somebody like Rodri to feel like he can now let the responsibility go and allow Gundogan to take that on and he can focus on one thing which is what I thought was the big thing that changed yesterday Rodri was overrun in midfield he was massively overrun. He was doing too many different jobs. He was having to play the ball forward. He was having to play it sideways. He was having to redirect the ball in possession. He was having to tackle. He was having to protect the back line. And when Gundogan came on, he said, I'll take the baton of getting the ball forward. You take the baton of just kind of composing us in the defensive third of the pitch or in front of the defensive line, of course. And uh, Gundogan was phenomenal in that sense. A statue, Ian, comes to a player that has done miraculous things for City. And Ilkay now, if I'm right, is in his sixth, sixth year at City. Give him another three years, renew his contract. When he gets to nine or ten, continues to perform at the level he's performing at, this moment will be remembered like Aguero's was. Because if Sergio had left two seasons after the 93-20 moment, was a statue going to be suffice for that moment alone had he only been at City for three years? The fact he was there for such a long period of time was what cemented the statue. Because can you give statues for moments... And that, for me, is why this moment in three or four years' time will be looked back on and will justify Ilkay's statue. 
phenomenal player, a future player as myself, you, I think it was Paul, I think it was Louisa or Emily at the time, not sure who it was, called him, a player that was before his time, but he was bang on time yesterday, he was bang on time, this is his time, and he for me is one of the most irreplaceable players in this squad alongside Bernardo Silva and alongside Kevin De Bruyne. If they do do a statue, I hope they actually do one that looks like Ilkay Gundogan, but that's another issue. Well, so the, now... club, the club might actually commission one that looks like the guy off the Pringles camp, because that's who I always like in Ilkay Gundogan too. And I've got a little song, actually. We sing um, The Scousers Aren't the Champions Anymore, and we also sing many other songs that, that jibe at everybody else, but you thought you'd won the league at home, you're not, you're not. You thought you were the champions, you're not, you're not. But up stepped a German man, his name is Ilkay Gundogan, City champions, and you are absolutely not. <laughs> now, we're at that point, and it's a strange day to do it because it's full of emotion, and I'll, yeah. I'll ask you about the emotion of being here at the end of the parade in a moment, but now we look back on the season, title winning, Champions League semi-final, FA Cup semi-final, uh, obviously going out to West Ham in the League Cup, do you look back on this season as, as one of the great seasons? Are you a bit disappointed? Or are, like me, are you just pinching yourself that we've still got Pep Guardiola as coach? Yeah, I think that's, that, that's the big thing, in, And I think that, that yesterday and the, the, the emotion he showed, the fact he was crying with Juan Milillo at the, at the end of the game. And I think Pep is he's, he's a lot more human than people think he is. He's done inhumane things in a good way in terms of what he's achieved in football and what he's managed to do over the past... I mean, 13 seasons, 10 titles is phenomenal. Had the Cups, had the two Champions Leagues at Barcelona. Yes, he got criticised at Munich for not winning a Champions League, but he won back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back titles at Munich. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal man. He's, a hum he's, got, he's, got, he's full of humility. He's a wonderful person. He really gets us as a fan base, I think. And forget the money, forget the success, forget the fact he's probably got a wonderful car in his driveway. Forget the fact that he earns a lot of money year in, year out for being the manager of such a colossal club. Forget the fact the players earn the money they've got, the houses they've got. Forget they've got the cars they've got. Money does buy wonderful football players, but it takes somebody genius to get them players to play really, really well as a unit, as a team, and as beautifully as they do. He is not a football manager. He is a conductor of an orchestra. And as far as I'm concerned, it is the most wonderful orchestra in the world and it is one of the most wonderful metaphorical teams and actual teams that I've ever seen because to be in the position we were in yesterday and to look and go, oh, these footballers earn a lot of money and these footballers drive Ferraris and these footballers have wonderful mansions, so surely they're going to win this game. None of that comes into question. None of that even comes into the, the fore. What it comes down to, it comes down to what is inside. Have you got the internal desire? Have you got it in you? Have you got the ability that at the right moment, at the right time, to find it somewhere in your actual DNA to work hard individually and as a team to get City over the line? And then players did it. So as far as I'm concerned, they did what the players in 2011-2012 did, but in their own moment. And that, for me, is just as important as winning four trophies in a season. To see my team show the character they showed at 2-0 down yesterday is bigger than winning the league, the League Cup and the FA Cup and the Champions League because we will do that eventually. We will go and win the Champions League eventually. But to win the league in that fashion again, for me, is phenomenal. Ian, we'll be seven minutes away from winning the Champions League, in my opinion. If we'd have got through the tie against Real Madrid, we'd have gone on and beat Liverpool and we'd have been playing Liverpool in a couple of weeks' time and having won the league the way we did yesterday, We'd have gone into that with a, a different kind of impetus, a real desire to go on and win that, and that would have seen us through. But the way I see it is that we, we really needed that. We really needed that because to game manage the way we did after the third goal for eight minutes was all we needed to do against Real Madrid. And seeing us do it yesterday at 3-2 up and seeing us really manage the ball and take it to the corner, compose ourselves and not allow the emotion to affect us, healed the wounds of what I saw us do at the Bernabeu against Real Madrid and it proved that this side can do it. These players had never experienced having to hold on to a 3-2 win on the final day of a season. These players had never experienced having to come back from 2-0 down on the final day of a season and that's character building. So when it comes to big moments in the Champions League final in a couple of years' time, the players that experienced that yesterday 
We'll go back to that moment. They'll tap into their long-term memory and they'll say, we need to do that again. And that will be the thing that wins us the Champions League. Well said, well said. You're a brilliant contributor, Harlan. Uh, obviously, I love uh, all the passion that you have for sport. You're about to watch the big parade come down Deansgate and yep. be right in front of you. So the final question, the last podcast of the season is your emotions. How do you feel standing here now? What does this mean to you? Well, when I, when I look back at, at the success we've had under Pep, Ian, and I look back at the success we've had under Pellegrini and Mancini, I'm stood there at the front of this, this wonderful, wonderful line of family. Not, not, not friends. They are friends. Not people I don't know. Not people I've never seen before. Family. They're City fans. So as far as I'm concerned, they are my people. And Pep always says, our people. And that is what makes me love him even more. The fact he knows we're his people. And these are my people. These are your people. These are our blues. These are our family. These are our friends. And I can't wait to celebrate another title with these people that some, or some of which, I've never even met before. But it feels like I have because we've all experienced the same moments. It's emotional, Ian, but what it is, it is one of those moments that I stand there almost numb, almost, is this really happening? And I think that for City fans to ever lose that feeling of is this really happening and to become arrogant with it would be everything that we hate about our rivals. Enjoy the moment, live in the moment, enjoy it. And I always look back at the first season I remember and go, this is City that Darren Huckabee, Sean Gorter, Paolo Wanchop, Nicholas Anelka, Sylvan Distan, Richard Dunn, Nicholas Jensen, and obviously, yes, they aren't here now, but that is the City. It's still the same club. It's not the same club doing the same things as then, but it is still City. And to see that team that I fell in love with doing this, to see these fans that fell in love with the same club as me here tonight doing this together, after everything we've been through, is the best title you can ever win. It's unbelievable stuff, and I absolutely love this football club. City till I die, and City till I'm long gone. You don't die and not be a City fan. When you die, you're still a blue. I'm gonna be buried in a City shirt, and a tracksuit, and tracksuit bottoms, with a cap, and repeat the badge and a coffin in. Alan, thanks very much for your contribution. Obviously, big shout out to Howard oh, Solicitors. Oh, your Jess, yeah, yeah. To Howard Solicitors for supporting the podcast. We will be back with the audio podcast next season, that's for sure, because of Howard Solicitors. Thanks to everybody for listening, for sharing, for retweeting. The parade is about to come past us. If you want to get a little bit of a flavour of what the parade's about, go to the YouTube channel, Forever Blue Ian Cheeseman, and I'll be filming as well. Um, but in the meantime, thanks very much for listening and uh, remember one thing if you only remember one thing about this it's great, it's great to, to be, be a blue, blue isn't it it is it is great